If you have a Bible, um, I believe you have one. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 26. We are going to read from verse um, 1 to 5. I'm going to use the ESV version. Genesis 26, verse 1 to 5. Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the earth that I saw to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today once again. And um, as we open our Bibles to study your word, we pray that, Lord, you speak to us, minister to us, everyone, according to our point of need. We need encouragement. We need teaching. We need learning. We need a rebuke. We need a correction. And we need strengthening. We need everything. And so, Lord, I pray that as we look at this passage of Scripture, I pray that you bless every one of us with your word. Open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears, and help us, Lord, so that as we go out of this place after the service, we will know that the Lord has spoken to us, has ministered to us, and he has encouraged us and he has blessed us. We thank you, Lord. Through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. This morning, I would like to share from this passage of scripture, which we have just read, Genesis 26, verse, five, verse 1 to 5, and the title of my message is, Do Not Go to Egypt. Do not go to Egypt. Now, we know that there are so many command. I mean, there are ten commandments in the Bible. But there are other commandments that are specifically for you. It is special for you and you alone. And so, like here, Isaac was given an instruction, 
do not go to Egypt. So that's what we will be looking at. Do not go to Egypt. So I would like to share something regarding God's guidance in our lives. God's guidance. I would like to talk about God's will for our lives. God's guidance, God's will for our lives. So our main verse will be verse 2, which says, And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. That's our main verse. Now, I would like to give you an overview about what we have read here, and then I will share with you uh, three or four things, uh, some lessons that we can learn from this particular passage of Scripture. And in Genesis chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 12, describes the famine that forced Abraham and Sarah to go with their company down to Egypt in search of relief. Genesis chapter 26 is another separate famine. Isaac moves to uh, Gera where Abimelech rules as king of the Philistines. Now, the Lord appears to Isaac and commands him not to go to Egypt. He commands him not to go to Egypt. Um, yeah, so what is happening is that during the time of Abraham, uh, they are in Canaan at the moment, um, there was a terrible, terrible drought and Abraham decided to go to Egypt. Because, uh, yeah, this is the background of, of, of this command, of this instruction, do not go to Egypt. It's because his father went to Egypt. You know, when things happen in our lives, we would like to emulate what our parents did. So he might decide to do what his father did. And so God says, uh-uh, don't go to Egypt. Stay here. But he was also, like during the time of his father, uh, confronted with a severe drought. It was a terrible, terrible time. But interestingly, God says, no, don't go down to Egypt. I'm looking at the issue of, you know, when you are confronted by a situation and you are looking for answers, to your situation. And I know that we do have natural instincts, you know, and we think of natural ways of how to solve the problem. And God immediately knew that Isaac is going to start thinking about going down to Egypt, because that was natural. That was easy. His father did it. And, and in any case, it makes sense to go to Egypt because there's no drought. So I, I go to Egypt, and God says, no, don't go to Egypt. Do not go to Egypt. It is reported that there was a famine in the land 
and the famine was so severe, now that is during the time of Abraham, um, it was so severe that Abraham decided to go down to Egypt. That's in Genesis chapter 12, verse 9 to 10. A famine means mass starvation. The crops would wither and die, and the watering places for animals would also dry up and disappear. This drought was quite severe and catastrophic. So it was not an easy situation because even, you know, those places where you get water. Uh, you remember that time when we had a severe drought in Cape Town and the dams and the wells dried up and there was such a severe problem. And so it was like that. And uh, so farmers couldn't do anything. Animals were dying. Crops were dying. Vegetation was dying, disappearing. And uh, it was quite a catastrophic situation. Now famines in Abraham's day were typically caused by lack of rain. And the fertile crescent was highly dependent upon rainfall. If the amount of rain was even slightly low, drought resulted. Egypt, with, on the other hand, Egypt, with the Nile River running through it, often withstood droughts and survived while outlying areas, you know, had problems. So that's why it was natural to go down to Egypt because the Nile River never dried up. And uh, people always uh, withstood the droughts. Though, of course, during the time of Joseph, <laughs> Egypt was badly hit as well. And uh, yeah, that was another one. It was, it was so terrible. Now, in such circumstances, it is natural for one to take the steps Abraham took to go down to Egypt, like I have explained. This was a natural choice. The Bible does not say that Abraham did the wrong thing to go down to Egypt. No, no, the Bible doesn't say that. And some people assume that since God brought him into the land of Canaan, uh, the promised land, therefore Abraham should have therefore remained in Canaan. Now, this is where we have trouble sometimes in interpreting the Bible. You know, God never said anything to Abraham. He, he didn't. So you can't, obey, you can't disobey what is not instructed. So Abraham never committed any crime or any mistake by going down to Egypt. So he went to Egypt, right? But Isaac is under specific instructions, do not go to Egypt. But Abraham was not given those instructions. But the son was given those instructions. God works in mysterious ways. And his judgments are unsearchable. And his ways are past finding out. That's according to Romans 11 verse 33. 
For the same reason of severe famine we see in Genesis chapter 46, Jacob and his entire family migrated to Egypt. Now this is one family. I find this story very interesting. Abraham faced a severe famine and God never said anything. And so Abraham chose to go to Egypt. Okay? And then comes his son, Isaac. There's a severe drought. The same problem. There's a severe drought in Canaan. And God says, do not go down to Egypt. Now Isaac has a son, uh, Jacob. Uh, now the grandson of Abraham. And uh, for Jacob... God encourages him to go to Egypt. Very interesting. At that time, the Lord... Um, sorry. The Lord appears to Jacob to tell him that he should not be afraid to go down to Egypt. He says, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. And yet, his father, Isaac, was given strict instructions, do not go to Egypt. And now here is God, the same God, he says to Jacob, don't be afraid to go down to Egypt. Hang on, what is going on? If God is... Our, if God is a parent like us, we say, but you are giving us mixed, mixed instructions. Others you allow them, others you don't allow them. And of course, as we read the Bible, we get mixed up a little bit because how come Isaac is, not to, is told not to go to Egypt and Jacob is given specific instructions to go to Egypt. He says, do not... Uh, be afraid to go down to Egypt in Genesis 46 verse 3. So, what I see here is that, you know, God has got his own, his own ways of doing things. And he has every reason for doing what he does. Now, I was trying to understand what is happening with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, with all these mixed instructions. What is going on here? But I'll come back to that. Now, let me talk a little bit about the promise, because Canaan is a promised land. And Canaan is the promised land, and um, they are supposed to, at some point, inherit the promised land. Now, regarding God's promise for the promised land, although Canaan is promised, promised to the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as a possession, they did not themselves obtain a foothold in it. Abraham wandered about even going down to Egypt and back, like I've mentioned, Jacob spent much of his manhood 
in Mesopotamia and of his old age in Egypt. In the case of Isaac, he was sometimes at Hebron and sometimes at Beersheba, uh, on the extreme southern verge of the land. Therefore, the patriarchs did not acquire a foothold of the soil of what was to become the holy land. So what, I'm, what am I saying here? What I'm saying here is that what we have read, what we are discussing this morning, is a situation where I, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob remain foreigners. They are foreigners in the land which God has promised as the promised land or as the holy land. They remain foreigners. So it's important for us to understand that so that when I talk about the, uh, the, some of the lessons we can learn out of this, then we can understand what God is doing here. Now, after having given this overview, I would like to zero in on four specific lessons I would like us to learn today. The first one is God looks at the bigger picture in his dealings with us. His bigger picture is the covenant and the promise of the Messiah and the ultimate salvation of the people in the world. Because God says in verse 4, And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now, when we are confronted with the situations in our daily lives, sometimes, well, not sometimes, but most of the times, we look at our immediate situation. But that's not the way God answers our prayers. That's not the way God guides us. That's not the way God solves our problems. God looks at the bigger picture. He looks at the bigger picture. So when he told Isaac, do not go to Egypt, well, with Abraham, he started the process of, you know, the way of salvation for mankind. The covenant that he made with, uh, with Abraham. And he confirmed it with, with Isaac and with Jacob. It was a process. So Abraham is here, and Abraham is led to go to Egypt. Isaac is here, and Isaac is told, no, don't go to Egypt. It was for a specific reason, and that reason is connected to the, to the covenant, to the promise. And then when time comes for Jacob, he says, do not hesitate to go to Egypt, because I am going to be with you there. What has changed? Well, what is changing is the progression of God's program. So it depends at what point you are found, you know, um, in God's program. So it's not about your program. It is about God's program. 
So when he's talking to Abraham, when he's talking to Isaac, when he's talking to Jacob, it's about God's program and not their program. So that's why God tells Isaac, do not go to Egypt. Why? Well, it is for a very specific reason. And God says, I am going to bless you. Where you are, I'm going to bless you. Where you are. But sometimes we feel that, no, 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 I need to leave. God will bless me there. No, but God says, no, I will bless you here. So God, when dealing with us, he looks at the bigger picture and not just our small, you know, individual surroundings. But he looks at his own programs. So when we are dealing with God's will, when we are dealing with God's commands, when we are dealing with God's instructions regarding your life, my life, just know that he is answering your prayer or giving you the the instructions according to his program. Not according to your program, but according to his program. And then number two, God deals with us as unique individuals. Yes, he has this program which is ongoing and he will reach its fulfillment at some point. And in this case, the fulfillment of God's program which started with Abraham will be fulfilled by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you see the way God is dealing with Abraham, the way he's dealing with, Je- with Isaac, and the way he is dealing with Jacob, you can see that he's dealing with them, each one of them, according to the role that each one of them is playing in God's plan of salvation. So don't think that they are given given same instructions. They are not. They are given different instructions, which are fitting according to the role they are playing in God's plan of salvation. Abraham was not instructed to go to Egypt, nor commanded not to go to Egypt. God just kept quiet. He didn't say anything. He kept quiet. But Isaac was commanded to go down to Egypt. Meanwhile, Jacob was encouraged to go down to Egypt. Then he said, I am the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt. And I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. I will go down to Egypt with you. We are going together. Abraham was not given those instructions that you go down to Egypt, I'll go with you. No. Egypt, I mean, uh, Abraham went alone. He went with, his Sarah, with Sarah, his wife, and with the rest of the members of their family and so forth, the servants, the workers. Yeah, um, but God didn't say anything. 
Now, for Isaac, he says, no, don't go. But for Jacob, he says, go. So, the will of God for Isaac is that he should not go to Egypt. And he says, I'm going to bless you here in Canaan. Here in Canaan. And when you read the scriptures, you see how God prospered Isaac. He became very rich. To the extent that the local people became jealousy and envious, and they began to fight him. He began to experience xenophobic attacks and all those kind of things. Because he was a foreigner. How can this foreigner, you know, prosper this way? You know, God wanted him to go through that and uh, uh, be blessed while in, uh, in, in Canaan and not in Egypt. <coughs> Sometimes it is thought to, uh, I mean, it is tough to obey God. Now, that, that's my third point. Sometimes it is tough to obey God. Isaac obeyed God's warning and stayed in the land. Yet, he lived among the people in Canaan, closer than he had before, and this would bring trouble. This would bring trouble. Isaac fought battles regarding water rights with the Philistines. And eventually he was asked to leave. God wanted Isaac to go through the drought and not out of the drought. Now this is very important. When you, have, you are faced by a situation, there are two ways in which things can happen. God can take you out of the situation. You know, when uh, Jacob was told to go to Egypt, he was allowing him to get out of the situation. But when he told Isaac not to go to Egypt, what was he saying? Go through the drought. So there are times when God will not, not take you out of your environment. I'm going to leave my job. I'm going to leave this country. I'm going to, you want to jump fence. <laughs> you need to understand what, what is the will of God at that time for you. Does he want to get you out of the situation or he wants you to go through the situation? Isaac has to go through the situation. I heard one preacher talking about Lazarus. Lazarus, when he was sick, Jesus heard and he knew that Lazarus was sick. And he, he stayed. He didn't go immediately to go and heal Lazarus. And then after Lazarus had died and he had been buried, that's when he tells the disciples, he says, we must go and 
wake up Lazarus. And the disciples said, but if he's sleeping, he will wake up. He says, no, he's not asleep as you are understanding. He is dead. So one preacher says, you know, the glory of being healed from sickness is not as greater as the glory of being resurrected from the dead. It's true. Sometimes being allowed to go through the process of the drought, you experience a greater measure of God's grace than when you jump out of the situation. But we must leave that for God to decide what is best. Sometimes what is best is to jump out of the situation. So, when we consider, when we look at the issue of obeying God, sometimes it's not easy. Because Isaac was taught to go through it, and he had to face the locusts. They fought him. He had battles regarding water rights. He could not find a suitable place where he could settle. They always fought him. They always wrestled with him. But he never gave up. He never complained to God and said, but God, you told me that I must stay, but is this the reason why you wanted me to stay so that I can suffer in the hands of the Philistines? And you know what encourages me most about the story of the Old Testament guys is that they had no church. There was no church. There was no Wednesday Bible study. There was no Friday uh, meetings. There was no King's Rubies for Sarah to go to or Rebecca. There was nothing. The Bible had not yet been written. There was no fellowship. There was no temple. There was no place to go. But they built altars where they sacrificed. They offered sacrifice to God. And you know, the Bible says, and God appeared to him. And God appeared to him. That's the way God did it. And they took God seriously. When he said, don't go to Egypt, I will be with you. I am going to bless you. He believed God. And he stayed. And Jacob, when God says, go to Egypt, because there I'm going to bless you, and you are going to become a great nation. Now, that was part of the fulfillment of them becoming a great a, a, a nation. Because they were a small family. It was a family of few individuals. First it was Sarah and Abraham. And then Isaac. And then Isaac had twins. Jacob and Esau. And then Jacob, you know, had you know, those 12 sons. So they were becoming a nation. But... To stay in Canaan was not a good environment for them to develop into a nation. They needed a place where they can become a nation. 
And that's when God allowed Jacob to say, now you can go to Egypt. Because it was time for them to become a nation. But before that, no. He wanted Isaac to have his children, um, Jacob and Esau, to be born in Canaan. I think it was, it was for a reason. And for Jacob to grow up in that environment, it was for a reason. So, it is tough, you know, to follow God's will sometimes. Because he will say what you don't want. He will say the opposite. I want to jump out, but he says, no, you go through it. You go through it. By letting Isaac to go through the drought, he wants to prove to us that with God, nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. You know, if, if God had to give me a choice to stay in Canaan where there is a drought and to go to Egypt, or oh, definitely I would tick the Egypt box. But that's not God's will. That's not God's will. As Christians, as children of God, our earnest desire is to do the will of God and to fulfill it. That is our earnest desire. But it's not always easy to follow God's will. Why? Because he says you must stay in the, in the, in the drought. You must stay in the drought. Now we are faced with the COVID-19 pandemic situation and a lot of people are losing jobs and there are so many things that are going on. The politics in our countries, in our nations, you know, very confusing sometimes. And um, sometimes we don't know what God's will is. Sometimes we feel, well, the best is to jump ship. We leave the country. We go somewhere else. You know, I've heard tragic stories, uh, terrible stories of, you know, like one family, they left the Middle East in Syria, where it was, it was the, you know, the political situation there, there was war, civil war, and this family decided to relocate to Canada. They stayed there for a few years and only to be destroyed by bushfire. The whole family burned to death. And I was thinking, sometimes, where we think there is an answer, actually, that's where the end of our life is. So that's why it's very important for us to understand what God is saying in our lives. And remember that God is busy working, doing his job, doing his work, and you are playing a part in his plan. And so when he answers your prayer, it is direct, directly linked to what he is busy doing. So it's all about him and not about you, but about him. To the glory and honor of his name. In conclusion, 
It is not easy to follow God's will, like I've mentioned, but that is the best for our lives, whether we like it or not. That is the best. No matter how tough it is, we must pray as the Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you are talking about God's will to be done in your life. Let thy will be done. So we need to submit ourselves to God's will and we have to let God do what he thinks is the best for us. But it's not easy, like I've said. You know, sometimes you look foolish, you look stupid, you look like you don't think properly. Especially some of us that are in full-time ministry, some of the things that we do in trying to pursue God's will, we look foolish. And that's why Paul talked about not being ashamed of the gospel. Why did he say that? It's because sometimes it looks like that. You can't be ashamed sometimes because, I mean, so many things that are happening, persecution, lack of enough support, and all those many other things. And, but Paul says, we are not ashamed of the gospel. So it's the same with Isaac. He is not ashamed to obey God and remain in Canaan. He is not ashamed. But it's not easy. It's tough. And the final thought is, yes, we are Christians, we are children of God, but we are not exempted from facing problems, facing challenges, facing difficulties. I know we have the prosperity gospel out there, and people are flocking to those churches because man of God speak into my life. <laughs> what is God saying this morning? <laughs> Sorry that I'm not saying those kind of things this morning. <laughs> but it is good, you know, to know the will of God and to obey God's will than, you know, to follow these uh, excite, exciting things, you know. And then when times of trouble or trials and temptation comes, you can't, you can't stand you can't stand. So I hope the Lord has spoken to you somehow and encouraged you and blessed you just like he blessed me when I was preparing this. And up to now I'm still thinking and going through these things. I'm going through a lot in my life at the moment. And um, I've been confronted by the word of God to say, Okay, maybe just to share with you one or two things that have happened. Sometimes you find people, they find jobs somewhere, and they come to me and say, oh, we found a job opportunity for you. Would you like to apply? So I'm looking at them, I say, what do you mean? I would, like, should I, uh, would I like to apply? I'm already on the job. You want me to leave this and go to that job? You see, so, yeah. So sometimes it's like that because they feel that, oh, I, I should not be going through what I'm going through. Instead, I should go and look for another job and leave this one. But then what happens to God's will for my life? 
That's a challenge. <laughs> That's a challenge. 